0: So welcome back. Um, Just wrapped up our discussion about the expansion draft. Um, Moving on to a different draft. Uh, The entry draft is on Friday. And the Sens own the number 10 pick in that draft. And we will get to that. We will talk about all the Sens picks. Um, But first, I think it's worth diving into what we think the top 10 is going to look like. there's a lot of debate. This is not as clear-cut as we've seen most other drafts. Um, it's no a weird cons- draft,
1: man. Super like. weird one.
0: No consensus, really. I mean, obviously, a lot of people like Owen Power to go number one, but I can't really... I mean, you can't really say that's set in stone even right now. Uh, um, yeah, because there's some but, rumors uh, even
1: that he won't. But Yeah. Those-
0: so, uh, unlike me, Louis is very smart. Louis knows a lot about prospects. He's done a lot of good work into this draft but I mean you were talking to me earlier you said it was a bit of a a bit of a weird year for scouting um yeah maybe you could talk about that for a bit because I think it's worth noting
1: well just by the time that everything actually started this year with all the code with all co- with COVID pushing like nearly every at least North American league and then even then European leagues have to go on pause uh for a decent amount of time and just the timeline with that and just school being very busy this year I haven't had as much time as I've wanted to, to actually dive into everything. Uh, So yeah, it like add on the fact that there's seems to be no real consensus at the top and the whole COVID factor with shortened seasons, limited sample sizes. It's a hard draft to scout. And uh, for now, like according to a lot of outlets, um, it seems like the, the NHL, the NHL front office is leaning towards a nine player consensus at the top not that i fully agree with everything like that but that's that's what it seems to be like so we'll dive into what we feel is going to happen now um so we just talked about own power right um i personally i i I feel like it's going to happen own power to buffalo i mean from what we've heard uh there doesn't seem to be too much debate amongst many uh, many public scouts and while there were some rumors that maybe eckland could go i don't know if you remember when that surfaced i think yep. it was maybe two weeks ago it yep. seems like owen power is gonna go so if if i if i was buffalo i feel like i would go towards owen power and my personal rankings i don't have him as high uh he's a little lower and i'd probably lean more towards Beniers or eckland or something like that but I'm pretty sure the uh, the sabres are gonna go for power. So I do like
0: remember that. seeing a report um that the Sabres were adamant that they were not gonna leave the first round without Eglund. Do you think that there's a possibility that maybe they trade, maybe not down from one, but maybe up from a different pick, or just take him at one to maybe to maybe try to make sure that they get a guy that they seem to really like?
1: Well, um there's not a lot of moves that that Bola does that I tend to agree with in general, <laughs> yes. but this one I would, I mean, I'm also a big fan of Eklund. He had some incredible production this year in, uh this year in Sweden, and he's just a very cerebral player. He knows how the game works. His vision is insane. His positioning off, like even, off, with and off the puck is just next level. He did very well with Holtz for uh, Jew Gardens and the, in the SHL. So I, I could see it happen. I mean, I'm just trying to look at who would like seed their place in the top 10 and what they'd give up. Like you'd think Reinhardt would be a part of that package. You feel yeah. like that'd have to be the case. Um, or,
0: or maybe even Eichel depends on. Yeah.
1: Got, like. Right? Is there anyone, like, I'm just looking at the draft order here. Is there anyone you think that could be a possible destination for Eichel?
0: In the top 10, I, I mean, LA has been in on him.
1: The thing is i don't and, know if but, I mean, falls be, that low
0: that's it right so it'll be interesting to see they i mean it seems like they really like him from at least what i've seen but uh it'll be interesting to see what they do um but yeah i mean you know uh owen power and number one uh is definitely not a uh an outrageous uh idea a lot of people seem to be on that boat
1: yeah it um, seems to be going along with the consensus
0: yes i agree i would have to agree so who do you think, Seattle, this will be their first pick ever, I guess? Um, they've got a lot of options at number two, maybe they go back to a D, maybe Clark or Hughes, or do they, do they go
1: up front the forward? Well, in nearly every mock draft that I've seen, it seems like uh, nearly every mock draft and just draft ranking in general, Baneers is right around that spot. And everybody, everybody's been saying it's hard to find your number one center. That's always really hard to acquire everything right. and like now we just talked about jack eichel that's one of the very small occurrence like where you actually have a first line center available for trade and that's going to co- cut like we know that's going to cost a ton to acquire right um yeah so if if i'm seattle and this seems to go along with the consensus of everyone else on the mock draft it seems like they'll go with veneers who's a very strong two-way guy who drives play in transition he's got speed i don't know if you remember watching him at the world juniors yeah he was even- electrified yeah, he was very good for uh I guess a, a gold US team. Yes. Sadly. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> complete dude, I'd completely blocked out that final from my memory. It just came back now. <laughs> it seems like
0: it's happened like years ago.
1: Like it, just, it seems like it's been so long. Yeah, that was just a weird tournament, man. It was a weird tournament. I agree. But yeah, so yeah, I'd go I'd go Beneers just because he's efficient in all three zones. He might not have a, like the crazy upside that other players do, but I definitely, I definitely think that he's the pick here for Seattle.
0: Mm-hmm. You say he might not have the upside, but like you'd think it would be, you're pretty confident that he would be like, he'd be a player. For
1: oh, that. no, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying not, not the upside of like a superstar. Yes. I'm obviously, Like he, that's... he, he could still be like at worst. He's probably a second line center at best. He's maybe right. a one B one a But yeah, that, that's, that's definitely what I'm leaning towards right now. All right, there you go. So
0: that's one and two. Um, and then obviously, you'd said that Veneers has been linked to Seattle in the past and Power has been linked to Buffalo. But at three, it gets, it seems to get really dicey with the rest of the people in that first round because Anaheim has got a lot of options there.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, what's weird is that I've seen a lot of the, a lot of uh, mock drafts agree on Dylan Genther at three. Really? It, it seems a little weird, but think of a, because Dylan Genther, very good sniper, put up great, uh, production numbers in the dub like he only played 12 games but he had i believe 12 goals and 12 assists which is insane wow. yeah yeah like production like that rivals like lafania from last year mm-hmm. um so i like just imagine a sniper like that in genther who'd be able to line up next to zegras on a top line that yeah. would be absolutely deadly like mm-hmm. for for anaheim and I like I I'd like to dive a little deeper into Anaheim's prospects if I could like just take a look, but I think like I I don't know if there's a definite need anywhere. Like they have Gibson, he's been a little bit lowered, so I don't think they go Wallstead here. Um, no. the the no, defense I is I think still okay there. They have Drysdale coming up, so they That's don't right. really need that number one guy if Drysdale pans out with he probably will. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and and they have their center so. Uh, a goal-scoring guy who you can put next to your playmaking powerhouse in in Zegras, uh, I think Dylan Genther would be, a, would be a great add for them. And it seems like a lot of people agree.
0: Yeah, there you go. So Genther runs out the top three. And so you go to number four, and there's still two prime defensemen on the board for New Jersey here in Grant Clark and Luke Hughes do you think that they fall a little further or do you think New Jersey just can't pass up the opportunity to take one of those guys?
1: Um, I I feel like New Jersey, if Luke Hughes is here, which it seems like he will, like I I know Jack Hughes has been very very adamant about getting to play with his brother. So I feel like that's an obvious (laughs) pick, like getting Luke Hughes there. um, I don't really disagree. Um, This is usually where, like after this pick, I feel is where mock drafts kind of diverge. Because everybody leans towards that, too, of Luke Hughes going at four. And it's not a bad pick at four. He's a great skater. He put up, I think, similar or if not better numbers than Quinn at uh, at at, that, at the same level in his draft year. And and Luke Hughes is a very late birthday. Like, he could be. Mm-hmm. Like, he's almost a 2022 pick.
0: Wow. So, I... You so I, 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 get the
1: youth. Yeah, exactly. He's still got a lot of runway to go. I mean, not that the other guys don't. It's just... Right. Like on, on older player on players born closer to like late September, you almost get a full year of extra development. Right. Which uh, can never re- really be overstated. So yeah. I definitely think Luke uses the pick here, just the connection, the need at defense, because it seems like Will Butcher, he's been exposed. Right. Um, yeah. And obviously, Suban's not Suban anymore. Um, no, not always yeah and and they were just they were just acquiring defensemen weren't they to uh like to protect like who did they just get like they got Siegenthaler not too long ago oh
0: they got um oh they just made the trade they just made a trade yesterday they got Graves they got Graves that's what it was yeah
1: Yeah, so if you can get a top four of uh who's who's the other guy Damon Severson um Graves Graves Siegenthaler is more likely a bottom six guy yeah um or like third pair um, if you can add Hughes and, in there, and that would. And Ty Smith. They yes. Ty Smith. That's the one. But yeah, if you get both Hughes and Ty Ty Smith, though, that's the two puck movers on your in your top four. There you go. Put them on if if you want an all out offense pair. Hey, go for it. That would be so fun to watch. Yeah. For um, sure. But yeah, I feel like you split those guys up. You have your top four there. So I, I'm gonna go with Luke Hughes at four.
0: So that brings us to Columbus. They have yeah. a lot of needs. They they kind yeah. of you can go a lot of different directions with this pick for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um the one that I feel like this is where I kind of branch off and I'm really not sure what they're gonna do. I could see because yeah, they do have a lot of needs. Like in Nets they have Corpusello and Merzlikens, mm-hmm. right? Um well, they protect the Merzlikens, I think, right? I'm just yeah. I'm Uh
0: I, I just don't think they're that they're gonna i oh, know they didn't have
1: it. to protect mercy he yeah that, exempt. he's exempt yeah, yeah that's they so protect like... corpus yeah but yeah um so yeah, i feel like just because they're likely to lose seth jones
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i feel like they'll be feeling the need for a defenseman and yarmo sure. kekalainen their gm loves loves to draw from the, the european talent pool Mm-hmm. So I feel like a guy like Sam, Simon Edmondson, even though I don't have him ranked this high, I think there's a little too much r- risk for me to pick him in the top five. I feel like that could definitely be a player that they target. Right. Um, he, he's very solid in transition. Um, he can be good at defending rushes too. He has a high ceiling, a little bit of a low floor though. So it's kind of a risk. So if it depends on if Columbus wants to make more safe picks, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, they took Igor Chinenkov last year. <laughs> Yeah. They so had him in their top 10, apparently. So, yeah. They're not I,
0: afraid to go get their guy
1: when they want 100%. To so, I feel like they would go for Edmondson here at five. There you go.
0: So, yeah, definitely right. Keckleinen will, will not hesitate to take some maybe lesser known players, some guys that maybe could have fallen a little bit further down, especially from Europe. Um, so, definitely realistic that they might target a guy like Edmondson at five. And then you have Detroit at six. They have been here quite often down low in the draft in the past few years. Um, And I I find it interesting with them because you have to at least assume that they might look at a goalie, but also there's a lot of pretty good skaters available at six as well.
1: Um, I've I've heard a decent amount of mocks have McTavish around there. As right. an option and from here on out, man, I really don't know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. what could happen. Like at this point, like and honestly, it probably even breaks open earlier with how wide open this top tier is. Like after after Beneers, it could definitely get wild. But um there's a ton of options here. I don't think they go defenseman just because they do have cider. Yep. Um, and they do want like a, a winger for, for Larkin or another center behind them. But I could also see Wallstead. Like, they don't have a goalie right now. Yeah. Um, and they do have a lot of skilled forwards that they've picked in mid-rounds. So it's really hard. Like, I don't know. Like, I, Stevie Wise Stevie is a smart guy. And yes. uh, I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of picking goalies this high at all. But no. if, if Wallstead is available here and it seems like it's a need in the organization. And the thing with Wallstead is that I'm a huge fan of his. Um, not because he plays for my favorite, uh, SHL team that has nothing to do with it. Um, but what he's done just at his age in general is insane. Like he's, he's already played like any SHL and the men's league this year. Um, and just in terms of game understanding and predicting the play, he is just on another level in terms of, in terms of goalie prospects, like he's Hellebuck like, I don't know if you've watched much, uh, Connor Hellebuck, but in terms of just poise and awareness and the ability to just like consistently put up great numbers, mm-hmm. he's just so calm in nets, both Hellebuck and Wallstead. He's always in place. He, yeah. He he doesn't need to rely on very very great athleticism, like Askarov did last mm-hmm. year. So and even then his agility is it's good. It's just not top tier. Right. So I I think I I'm, I'm gonna go with Wallstead here at six. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I I because I. I know a couple people with who are into scouting and with scouting backgrounds and they always say the same thing. Like they just so hard to scout goals. They're just so different. Like what do you, you know, like what do you look for? Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, he'll go high, obviously. I mean, he's not, it's not like he's, you know, ranked in the top 10 for no reason. Um, But it's just like, who's going to, you know, it's, he's so, it's so different than, than scouting for a skater. Like, there's so many different things that you have to take into account and, and you know, analyzing um, what they do well, what they don't do well. Um, size is a big thing nowadays. And it's
1: hard and to, it's hard to translate, like, production results across both forwards and goalies or yes. skaters and goalies, rather.
0: Exactly. But uh, but yeah, definitely the Red Wings are lacking in that spot in goalies, especially on goalies. So definitely could be a possibility a good pick at six would be Wallstead, which brings us to San Jose at seven. Um, Brant Clark is still on the board. He's ranked pretty high by a lot of people. Do you think that maybe they take a swing with him at seven or do they go forward?
1: Um, I think at this point, Eklund's fallen far enough. <laughs> like sure. if if it was me drafting, he would have been gone much earlier. But at this point, sure. I do believe Eklund would, would go. Um, they are lacking like, because... They still do have like Carlson and Burns. Like, not that they're very good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they still have them there and they're going to be on the blue line as long as their contracts are there, at least for another few years. Um, and they do have guys like Ryan Merkley uh, coming up. And I, I just feel like they'll go for a high end, high end forward here. And Eklund is their guy. Like, he's yeah. just, I, I've mentioned it before, he's just such a smart player. And the the production he's had, like I, I was looking at N H uh, L E across across the draft, right. And he he had the top, he he had the number wow. one spot. It, it was I was trying, I think I had something open here with that, but yeah, yeah, it, like just the equivalence was just he had the highest percent to become a star based on his result. Like if yeah. you if you look at Patrick Bacon's data on uh, on Tableau, he's he does a lot of great work. In terms of that, and he collaborated with Jay Fresh to provide some cards for prospects. And yeah, he he has the highest percent to become, I think, an NHLer out of all prospects at 97%. Highest percent to become a star, which is 71.25%, which is super high. Whereas star yeah. is uh, a star is somebody who would be in the top 18.5% of WAR in the league. That's right. what they define as a star. But it just seems like a no-brainer to me at this point if right. he actually does fall this low. Um, I'd, I'd definitely go Eklund for the Sharks, and they, they anybody could use a top yeah, so like that. Yeah, so I
0: guess my question would be, why why do you think he falls all the way to seven? Like, if he's got this highest potential to be a star and play in the league, why wouldn't the team snatch him up earlier? You think there's a reason?
1: Not really. I just think it's it's such a weird draft. It's such an open front end. The and so, some players don't value him as much as I do. Some sure. people think he relied on maybe Holtz a little too much this year. But, uh, like, I think if you look at him in isolation, he was still very, very good. And he helped Holt Holt almost as much as Holt helped him. Right. So, um, I I don't know. It's just in terms of, because of how open it is, I feel like teams are going to rely on team need a little more. Sure. So, and just there's so many defensemen, too. So, the fact that there's so many D-men takes away from, like, how high, like, this specific forward might go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. It's definitely a super open draft. I mean, you would know more about it than me, but uh, but yes, Eklund to the Sharks at seven. I guess you would, would you consider that like an early steal of the draft if you yeah. Yeah.
1: like if I if, if I'm the Sens and I see Eklund fall to seven, I mean if if, if it doesn't cost you too much, I'd move up. <laughs> yeah, Just, sure.
0: I mean that's where a guy like I mean, obviously, you would t- you would need more of this, but that's where a guy like Logan Brass trade value could come in handy.
1: Yeah, he's Logan Brass and Chris Tierney for. Uh, <laughs> that's all you need. Exactly, that's all you need.
0: But uh, but yeah, definitely a package with that. If they really feel like they want to move up, um, I think would be worthwhile. Um, but meanwhile, we have the Kings at eight, and uh, they have a plethora of incredibly good prospects
1: and probably close to if not the best prospect pool in the league are just young talents. It's just wild what they have. And now they can
0: they can add to it again here. Um, and what do you think they do at eight?
1: This I feel is like where Brant Clark would go. Yeah. Um just they do like if you look at their at their prospects, they have Byfield. He's gonna be their number one center. Yeah. They don't I, I feel like they don't have that number one D yet. And Brent Clark would 100% fill that need. Like, there are concerns about his skating and his method. Um, but, like, there's there's some sort of knee lock going on, and teams would have to fix his stride. But the yeah. way he sees the ice and just his vision and just his, his general uh, conduct uh, when he plays, like, he was able to transition over super well to Slovakia. Yeah. Because obviously he couldn't play this year in the OHL. And mm-hmm. he produced great in his D minus one. But in this draft year, uh, he he played super well with with Slovakia. I mean, he just sees the ice so well. It's a great puck moving defenseman. He can pr- he can contribute in the O zone. He can hold his own in the D zone and in transition. He's pretty solid too.
0: Yeah, and I guess it could be. It should be noted that he was playing this year in Slovakia with. I'm pretty sure it was with Men, was it not? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. So top line that, that obviously has to be valued by some teams at least. That you know you get the experience of playing against bigger, stronger guys that I'm sure would help. Um, But yeah, so he, uh, he's, he falls, I guess, in this draft down to eight. He, he was, he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's from the Ottawa area, Brant So
1: yeah, he is actually, um, well, just lastly on his production, like his star percentage is like close to 40%, which is some of the best for defensemen in this draft class. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, he is, he is from around here um he grew up here and it's actually funny i was looking at uh when i was like doing the the show's intro little audio thing Mm -hmm. um i found i found a video and i was just looking through stuff and i saw a little brent clark uh like in the audience for sense game oh that's too funny because there's a couple clips of him and his brother because like you could totally spot him out too like he hasn't really changed that much (laughs) he's still got that baby face but yeah um that's funny it's funny that you can spot him at old sense because, man hey if he falls to the sense, we'd gladly take him even though i know defense isn't the number one need no but i feel like we'll get we'll get to that more with ottawa but if somebody falls yeah. like at that point know,
0: he would be he would be the best player available at 10 yeah
1: and that's at that point that's what you do and then maybe you move out like a defenseman for yeah. uh for a forward but
0: uh before we get to that there is one pick at nine which is vancouver um and they uh this, this is a kind of an important pick in regards to the Sens. Obviously, the Sens pick right after. Um, and, you know, so Vancouver, I, I'd say, like, am I, am I mistaken in saying that this is kind of the end of, like, the first, like, top tier, would you say, of the draft? Or do you think it could even keep keep going past that eighth pick?
1: Well, the thing that's weird is that, like, everybody seems to say that the consensus is the top nine. Sure. And if it, it, right now, there's two of those players left. Which mm-hmm. doesn't align with anything, but then a lot of people up I'd also say Walstead's not getting out of the top nine. Who and right, so at that point, I guess we do have a top 10 consensus. So one of those players will fall to Ottawa, provided that Wallstead gets taken beforehand, which I think is what will happen. Again, not a hundred percent sure. Um, especially with rumors that some people apparently value Casa over Walstead, which I don't necessarily agree on. Mm-hmm. And I th- but uh, yeah, so at nine, I feel like the two options here for Vancouver would be Kent Johnson or Mason McTavish. Right. Um, personally, this one's this one's a toss up. Like a lot of people think McTavish is going to go top five.
0: Wow, but why? So, so you say that it's a toss up here between Johnson and McTavish, but only people say McTavish will go top five. Why do you think that is? Is that just, just because?
1: Like yeah, from what I've seen, a lot a lot of people like apparently the Canucks are high on Johnson. Okay. Also. So that's why that, there's just so much fluctuation in this top 10 or in, in this whole draft, I guess um, after the first two picks, it's really wide open. I think at this point they might go McTavish just because I, all, all the, all the sources that I have, the, the, he's supposed to go super high and he put on such a great display at the U 18s and like his biggest, his biggest weakness was his skating, but it seems like that's taken many strides. Since his draft year, he's developed it very well uh, when he went over to EHC Olten, in, uh, which was the Swiss second league, I believe. Um, and then he came over, played the U18s, and he's he's like an all-around forward that that can he can act like a power forward. He can act like a sniper. He can act like a playmaker. And right. he's just an all-around offensive powerhouse who still puts in a good defensive effort. And if he slips that low, which I don't think he will, and I know a lot of Sens fans would like him to.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it sounds like the way you're describing is very versatile and yeah. obviously a lot of teams, you know, versatile players are very useful just because you can play them anywhere in the lineup. So even if he doesn't turn out to be, you know, he's a really high pick He's a top 10 pick. Maybe if he doesn't turn out to be a first line or a second line player, he still has the all around attributes to be an effective bottom six player. If he doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's a guy that the Canucks would value. Right, sure.
0: So McTavish, McTavish at nine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, McTavish I'm gonna go McTavish at nine. at nine.
0: So this brings us to the Sens. And they like there's a lot of guys rumored to go around this area It's the Sens. There's a lot of guys that have been talked about. I, I know a couple of people think they might go with a goalie if maybe if Walstead's still here, maybe Casa. Um yeah. I've seen Cole Stillinger's name a lot. I've seen Chaz Lucius a little bit. Um, who do you think would be the best, as of the players that are left right now, who do you think the best player available would be to the Sens to to take on for their team?
1: So basically the way I see it is whoever from that industry top nine, which is all the guys we've mentioned so far, plus Kent Johnson, who's still on the board. Mm-hmm. If any of those guys falls, so whoever that is, plus Walstead, And then the other guys that I have my eye on would be Fabian Lasell. Who a right. lot of Sense fans are high on. Uh, Chaz Lucius. Uh, Cole Cylinder, as you mentioned. Um, I feel like the sense might even be inclined to go with someone like Fedor Svechkov or even Matthew Coronado would be an interesting pick. Although for some of those guys, that's a little high. Right. The sense of drafted players much higher than they uh, than they were pro- hmm. projected to go in the past. So they, they won't yes. be afraid to do it again here, especially since like I think. Caldario had an interview with the Future Sickos podcast not too long ago saying, hey, if, if we if we feel like it's a good risk, yeah. then we can afford to take it without a deeper prospect. I think
0: is. the word that he used was if we can hit a home run, I think. With, right. Uh, with the guy then we're going to take him.
1: And yeah, speaking of home run, I feel like Fabian LaSalle could be that home run. There you go. Um, so I personally, like Kent Johnson, if he falls here, I'd be happy with him. I just don't feel like he's the kind of guy that the Sens would take. I feel like there's too much... Too much risk right there um his production was great but like almost ha- like a very high portion of his assists were secondary and i feel like there's a very good player there and he has a high ceiling he could may very well be like a an incredibly skilled maybe top 20 player in the league someday but if it doesn't pan out he could maybe even never crack it wow. and i i've been high on kent johnson a lot but i I just don't feel like it's the kind of guy that the Sens would take. Hmm. So, I, yeah, I would definitely go Lysel. Um, if, if, if they want to take a home run, that's the guy that they would take. I personally have him in my first part of the tier. I have him somewhere in the top five for me just because of how – like in, in, in one word, the way he plays is just dynamic. Like sure. his pace, skill, finesse, like it's just – the way he blends all that together is so incredible um his skating is incredible like he's elusive and agile very good off the puck covers the ice super well and he's not just that offensive threat he's got a motor that just doesn't quit at all and he's super relentless on the forecheck he attacks puck carriers like there's no tomorrow it's always a game seven for him yeah and like because of that he has a higher floor than most people think while still having that high ceiling right which is good um, but yeah he is I, he is he's is a little small so he could bulk up a bit but
0: yeah and I I know that uh, there was a there was a thing that people were worried about him just because he switched teams um, that yeah there might be some sort of issue there but I I guess you don't really foresee that being a, a huge problem
1: no I think that that was all just attributed to him not getting because he was on a very good team in Forlunda who had just won the Champions League mm-hmm. and they just didn't have much room for him. And the way it works with, ugh, I don't remember if this is what it is with the SHL, but it is with some leagues where you need to have a certain amount of like young players. So some, oh, it might just be Russia. This is the case, but like where you, you have young players and you need to have them on the roster, like s- certain people under a certain age, but then they just end up just not playing them at all. So they at yeah, like, very limited right. amount of minutes. Like LaSalle sometimes just had like five minute games. So yeah, he got a trade to Luleå where he got to play more and that helped very him good. a lot. Um, and his point production wasn't the best, but he's dominated every level he's had, and it, it's always hard to start producing at that age in a men's league, so I don't think it'll be that much of a problem.
0: So there you go, so Fabian Lysel projected by expert Louis Boulet to go to the Sens at 10. Um, I think a lot of fans would be happy with that. I've, I've heard a lot of fans tossing his name around as well. Um, it would be a as you said, it's a bit of a risky one, like a home run pick, but they can totally afford it with the amount of prospects that they have in the system. Um, and I mean, we could we could mock the whole first round, but it's gonna take too long. We have more important sense picks to get to, like all of the yeah. other ones. So the next time the before sense we get to pick, that
1: though, okay. I just want to say, like I just want to give a brief overview because, like I did mention like we we would love Lysel and i feel like that would be a great pick but i wouldn't mind if 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 that's fine with you just going over a couple of the other players sure the sens could pick so like i did mention chaz yeah, or around that area yeah exactly yeah. and that could be available um so yeah chaz lucius is another favorite amongst amongst the fans i mean we've we've said it ourselves the sens need more high end talent yeah and apparently they're looking for a, for a centerman and we do need snipers, and Chas Lucius fills all of those boxes. He's uh, a very good goal scorer who can play center. I mean, he had a very bad knee injury last year, which prevented him from playing too much. He only ended up playing 13 games this year, but he scored 13 goals.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: which uh, that. is very good. But yeah, he's got creativity and everything. Um, but yeah, because of his knee injury, sadly, he wasn't able to improve his biggest flaw, which was his skating as much as we would have wanted to, but it was still better. There was still some improvement there, which is very impressive just because he wasn't able to play that much. So yeah, so Lucius would be definitely uh, an interesting pick. Uh, We've gone over Wallstead before. You mentioned Cylinder. Um, I think we have talked with Josh, and he wouldn't be the biggest fan of Cylinder at 10. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he's a player, like, if like if him if you had to describe his play i feel like it'd be heavy he's that he mm-hmm. plays very heavy he's a dangerous player with a hard shot um he uses his body effectively to protect the puck and create space but his skating is not really there it feels like he's lumbering around a lot right but with with his production like if you look at his star percent or his nhl or percent it's very high his production could translate very well and he's an underrated playmaker who could uh
0: so would you would you say that he would be more of a traditional sense pick in the sense that it's a little maybe it's a little safer. It's kind of a player that he's less flashy, so it's a guy that they they usually draft around in the first round. Uh kind of similar players to that.
1: I feel like he's still maybe a little bit too much of a risk because his skating is so far behind. Okay. If we were thinking of a safer pick, I definitely think Fedor Snechkov, um, who's uh a centerman f- from uh who played? split between the MHL and the VHL, which is like the the Russian AHL level and the Russian um, junior level. And he is one of the best minds in the draft. Like his awareness in all three zones is like astonishing. He is probably the best or the smartest defensive forward in the draft. uh, And he's able to translate that hockey sense in all three zones. Uh, He Mm -hmm. still has some dynamic elements. So he's not just purely just a boring player or whatever you you want to label it, you know, for a pick that high. But he still has that dynamism. Every once in a while, uh, he's got some crafty thinking to him. He's a great passer. So if he can get with good line mates, his play will be elevated. He won't be crazy flashy, but he'll be incredibly effective.
0: Yeah. So I mean, Lysel would be great, but there's obviously a lot of different guys that they could go with here at ten. Um, all of them with their with their pros and cons. So we'll yeah. see what they do. I mean, I think it's it's worth noting that. The Sens seem to have this, uh, um, you know, kind of this reputation of having a a picking guys that aren't, you know, generally the consensus best player. People might freak out a little bit. They're kind of like, oh, why would you pick this guy? And they've done this in past years. But then, you know, most times it seems to work out decently for them. Um, So I think one thing that's important is, you know, with Trent Mann and his staff is to trust the staff. I think they've kind of earned that. Um, through the guys that they have drafted at least most of the time, where as a fan, maybe if you if you don't agree with the pick, they probably, like, it, it, it's safe to say that it's probably in good hands um, no matter where they go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, l- a lot of players, a lot of players that are quite good in their own ways. They could go a, diff- a bunch of different directions and we'll see what they do. Uh, unless you have anything else, about the 10th pick we can go to the next one um, i
1: think that's pretty much it i mean the only other guy i had highlighted was coronado but i don't think he'll go that high yeah although like he, he'd probably be another slightly more risky pick um mm-hmm. he's a little bit of a smaller guy who's like he's incredible at just getting the like the puck from the d zone into the transition and then the O zone and then creating scoring chances from that Sure. Uh, in both high volumes and high efficiency so he would be an interesting pickup i mean the sense have seemed to be leaning towards transitionally effective players with Pick yes, Stutzla, sanderson definitely. and uh lassie thompson even like right. although he's not the most dynamic guy he's got like he had very good transition numbers in mm-hmm. his in his draft year so coronado would be another guy like that and he's 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 got the sends good motor uh <laughs> right. thing and work ethic very good resilience and uh, he's got good confidence with the puck and he'd be an interesting player, he's a very intelligent player. I mean, he's even going to Harvard too. So, <laughs>
0: there you go. That can't, can speak can't to hurt. it. Yeah. So, the next pick that the Sens own is 39. And obviously they traded I pretty didn't did they not trade their own second round pick for Stepan? Uh, no,
1: that was Columbus's. Or that was or that was
0: Columbus's. So that one have, would have been higher. It was what have, that's yeah, that's what I mean. So they traded the higher pick um for but they still have uh, they still have a couple in the second round. They have 39 and 42. So we're going to kind of treat that as like one pick. Um, like what are the players that they could pick around that spot, um, which is a little bit further down the line after 10. So who do you think would be a primary target there at the beginning, the early stages of round two?
1: Well, for me, if I had to choose, he'd probably go in the first round. But just because he's a slightly smaller defenseman, I'd probably go Olin Zellweger. Um, I think Pierre Maguire had a hit on um Wally thought not too long ago talking about just what to do what you got what the organization's thinking of doing with small defensemen like Mette and Brandstrom and how they need to insulate him with a bigger guy. Yeah. And since they already have Mette and Brandstrom, this might not be their kind of player, but was that like, is not crazy small. I think he's I think he's just hit five ten and he he might grow another inch. Um but he is one of the best transitional players in the draft and one of the best skaters in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, he has very good passing and vision. He produced at over a point per game clip in the WHL, which as a defenseman is in your draft year is incredible. And, but yeah, so he is undersized. So, which is why I think he probably will fall. And I've just, just looking at some, out, some outlets like Bob McKenzie's rankings and other mocks. Uh, it seems like he will be around here unless the team is high on him which I could definitely see that happen, but I, I wouldn't mind if we picked him here. He could improve his shot selection, but he's so good in transition. His skating is incredible. His passing in and vision are uh, very solid. And he's, he's still very good on defense using his speed and stick effectively to disrupt chances.
0: Mm-hmm. So a bit of a smaller D as you said, which might kind of steer teams like the Sens away, especially who have yeah. a couple in, and who have guys in the front office who are uh, pretty high on bigger guys. Um, you've got a couple other defensemen highlighted here as well, but do you think maybe what are the what are the forward options that they could go with for this pick if they want to go that route?
1: Um, again, I don't know how likely these guys are. These are most more targets that I'd be very interested if we picked them because again, like like we said, uh, these are players that could be possible home runs because mm-hmm. um, we are missing top and talent. So taking swings like this, especially with our, 30, our 39th or 42nd pick, wouldn't be the end of the world if we ended up missing but yeah, uh, Vili Koivinen would be an interesting pick for sure. Uh, he's a skilled play-driving dual-threat winger. Uh, he's good in transition. Very selfless player. He uses his, his teammates incredibly well. Uh, he's just, in, in general, very good at both creating dangerous scoring opportunities, whether it's goals or assists. And uh, I'm, I'm just thinking other players, probably Ayrton er- Martino. Um, he's basically the personification of all-out offense. Right. Um, he's explosive, elusive, His defense could definitely use some work, but the fact that he can already pressure opposing puck carriers very effectively speaks to his uh, improvement throughout the year.
0: Mm -hmm. So obviously getting this, I mean, it's not even that deep, but getting this far into the draft after the first round, it's really, really hard to kind of predict what players are going to be there. And you know what I mean? It's hard. Like
1: I'm just looking at some players and it's, you don't know like yeah that's it like one team could be high on them and boom they're gone at 20 you know right like like one of the guys i'm just looking at here is scott morrow and a lot of teams do not value like uh high like performance in high school leagues like the u.s high school prep league which is where he played but he's a very interest interesting and raw prospect he's a high ceiling he plays the game of a modern defenseman he's got that package of skill, skating hockey sense and he exudes confidence when he plays. He could use some help in the defensive zone, like decision-making wise, but yeah, a guy like him, I could definitely see going at like 19. I could see him going at like 57. There
0: you go. And so super quickly, we're going to just go through the rest of these because we'll, we'll try, try to go through this a little bit faster just because we took so much time on rounds one and two, which are the most important ones anyway. But yeah. uh, in round three, they have a pick at 72 and Getting into round three, it's even harder now to know which players are going to be there. But uh, in your ideal situation, who do you think they go for it uh, in round three of 72?
1: Well, depending on how they've targeted forwards versus defensemen earlier on, I've got like two forwards and two, or two centers and two right D highlighted here. Uh, My number one pick would be Peter Reynolds. Very smart, very shifty two-way forwards. He stands out with his pace and production when he plays. You always notice him when he's playing. Like I was watching a little bit of St. John games. And he, he always stood out. He's, and I was looking at his numbers, Mitch Brown, who does very good tracking work. I was looking at some of his data and he's got astounding zone entry, zone exit, puck retrieval, and just general offense driving underlying metrics. It's some of the best in the draft class. It, it would just be a very great pick for the Sens because this guy plays a very modern game. He's super excited to watch. He's a little small. I mean, he's 5'10", 170, but he'll bulk up. Um, I don't see that as as much of an issue but if you want to go for big guys someone like Cole Hawkins who's already 6'3 he's a big center he can plow through pressure with his frame he's got some speed and skill which help him there too and he's an underrated playmaker his, uh, his dangerous passing metrics were, were very good and even then solid transition game just like the rest of the guys that I've got uh, highlighted here and he, he's very good on the forecheck as well.
0: Yeah so those are the forwards um, you also have a couple of D. Obviously, you know, it, there's a question as to how teams draft position wise. Like, how many, like, what's an ideal number of defensemen or forwards that you want to take in a given
1: draft, right? Yeah, so, and it varies by team depending on organizational need, also. Exactly.
0: But uh, if the Sens can afford another defenseman pick at 72, you, you like Jack Barr and Brent Johnson.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point, the Sens have been inclined to pick more defensive-leaning defensemen, like we picked Tyler Kyle Clevin last year in the uh, mm-hmm. mid-second, I think? Mid-s- or, yeah, mid-second, yeah. Uh, somewhere around there. But yeah, so somebody like Jack Barr Brent yeah. Johnson, Barr was on a stacked Chicago Steel team, and he was the defensive anchor there. Uh, he projects as a solid two-way physical defender. He thrives making plays at his own blue line, whether it's defending rushes and turning them into exits, just in general. Uh, he didn't have the greatest production with Chicago, but he was able to be the shutdown guy on a very good team. And Brent Johnson also played in the USHL, another right D, and he's a little bit of a smaller guy. He's more like in the, in the Jared Spurgeon type, where even though he's small, he's a very good uh, defensive defenseman. But he also has sparks of off- offensive creativity, just like Spurgeon, um, very efficient transition player. And he's got some playmaking to his game too, which would help him transition to the NHL.
0: So the Sens after this have a lengthy break in the draft, yeah. and they don't pick again, barring any trades. Which
1: they get is... to take a little nap, you know.
0: You get to take a little nap. Pierre can drink some more coffee and. Pierre's. Yes, it's Pierre's. My bad. Pierre squared. Um, but then they do have to make another pick. They have to make two more picks, in fact. And unless, you know, barring the trades, as I said, but they don't pick again until 170. And this is the area where the prospects are much lesser known to the general public. And it's more about, it's. this is really more about where teams just get guys that they like. Um, Yeah, or
1: just meme picks, you know. (laughs) Or
0: meme picks, exactly. Nothing, you know, everything's always good with a meme pick. But one name that could fall here that might, some people might recognize is Florin Eliash, who played on Germany's World Junior team last year, on the line with Tim Stutzel and J.J. Paterka. And it was yeah. kind of his coming out party in a way because obviously no one really heard of him. And now he's playing with these two great players um, and put up some pretty decent numbers playing alongside them. So you think he could maybe fall um, to a to the sense pick in this range, you think?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, at this point, it's really hard to just predict in general how right. low players are going to go. Like, it, it's just difficult because as soon as one team is high on a player he's gone by then almost almost mm-hmm. definitely but he could fall he is an overager right by one year and like um he did i know his most people view his coming out party as being the world juniors uh earlier this year or earlier this year end of last year right yeah. but even looking before then he had astounding numbers in the uh, in the german u20 league um, he had like 50 points in 30 games, which, when compared to other players of his age group at that league, he he separated himself from the pack. So I actually had him highlighted last year as a possible like in this range, sixth or seventh round target. That could be a guy you take a swing on. And just the fact that he's played with Timmy, he's been he's in the same system. I think he played with Stutzla. Um, mm-hmm. I th- not not just the World Juniors, but like two years ago also because they were both in the Adler Mannheim system. Right. And then he played this entire year in the Dell. So he's been playing with men. I think he'd be an interesting target for sure.
0: And you say he's an overager. The Sens have not been afraid to pick overage. That is that's, true. Uh, they, that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Uh, another guy that you have highlighted here might be a bit familiar to 67's fans, uh, Brennan Sirzotti. Um yes. He was a second round pick by them a couple years ago, I believe. Um, and you think that he might he might go a little bit late in this draft as well.
1: I think he might even not even get drafted. Like, he, he's more of a player you take a reach on, uh, just because he hasn't. It's it's been hard to evaluate him because he hasn't played much, if at all. Mm-hmm. Like nice. the last little bit. Like actually, I think I have his elite prospects page here. Yeah, and he played. It doesn't seem like he's played anywhere at all. Like the OJHL seemed to have been on pause this year. So and the he OHL have, obviously
0: didn't play.
1: OHL also too. But yeah, even the year before he was kind of bouncing between the 67s on the Pickering Panthers of the OJHL. But I was high on him when we drafted him. He had some very incredible numbers that were even rivaling Byfield in the uh, ETA, ETAHL U16. Um, he dominated there. He's a shifty dual threat winger, which means he can produce whether it's by scoring or being the playmaker on the line. Very good hockey sense and the ability to create takeaways. Basically, he's a guy that you put on the line and he's going to be a determined offensive catalyst. Right. And he's going to value puck possession and display a lot of creativity.
0: Right. So do you want do you to talk about the other two guys that you have highlighted here? Do you want
1: to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah? Okay. The, uh, these two guys are much more leaning in towards the, the meme pick category. Um, <laughs> nice. One of them is uh, is uh, 67's pick. Hasn't played for them yet. And he was going to this year. Uh, guy to Mac, which, first of all, what a first name, man! Vasilevich, yeah, like, honestly, you'd, I've never seen a first name starts with V and then S. That's yeah. crazy. But yeah, uh, he, he's a two-way center. Um, he's, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a, like your traditional power forward because he, I think he's five eleven. Um, but he can, he's got some skill and some pace. He can generate offense out from the neutral zone. He's able to get pucks into the zone and then power through the, the net. Um, and Create chances there but he really needs to improve his finishing (laughs) like if he he wants to get to the next level he's gonna have to do that to get to production and the other guy that i've highlighted here um i haven't been able to get much of a grasp on this guy but i was just looking at some uh, some data from the u18s that happened not too long ago and this guy anri ravinskis um, who played in the latvian men's league and for latvia at the u18 um He's, uh, he's still like already pretty big for, for this age. He's six foot two. Um, and he can, he can contribute. If you look at his underlying metrics, he can reliably contribute, whether it's in the ozone in transition decent on the four check. And what stood out to me about him is, um, he drove the bus for the Latvian office at the U 18s. If you looked at the, uh, his involvement percentage, so in what percent of expected goals. He had either a shot assist or a shot attempt for him. He was involved in nearly 30% wow. of all Latvian offense, which eclipsed anyone else. Like the next best in the tournament was Connor Bedard at like 21%. So <laughs> I don't crazy. even know when the next Latvian was, but he was very much up there. And hey, if we could get like some Rudolf Balsers 2.0 here, that'd be...
0: Yeah, a, wouldn't man. hurt.
1: Yeah, exactly. That'd be a great pickup.
0: So that's it. That's a lot of picks. It's a lot of players... Um, And like, like we said, like, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen past. I mean, really, this whole draft is quite unpredictable after like picks one and two, but I mean, especially these later rounds, like, these are just throwing out names that, you know, you might fall to the spot you'd like to see.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like we said, the Sens like to lean towards overagers, but will they even pick some like Florinelli actually is only like five, nine. Will they pick a guy like that? And even at the top, we don't even know if it's set because with the rumors of Eklund that you said, so yes, exactly. it's a wild draft.
0: So at, at the end of the day, you speculate for, for, because it's fun and yeah. you, you see what fun what's exercise. Good. It's a fun exercise. See what could be going on. Get to know the players a little bit. Um, but I think that's it. That is all for this, this draft episode. Um, yeah. We've covered a lot of stuff. Um, congratulations. If you've made it this far, uh, it's been a journey, but yeah. uh yeah, Quite we're the really termination
1: on your end, listener. Jeez. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, we are uh, we're excited to see how this, this week rolls out for the Sends. Um, and for It'll the rest a of the crazy one too, because it's gonna be a crazy one. There's gonna be a lot of stuff happening. We'll have an episode out after it all goes down. Hopefully, Josh, I think Josh will be able to join us. Yeah, Josh he Razor, should be. our third co-host. So he will be on the on the uh, on the call next time and we'll we'll examine uh what happened in the expansion draft what happened in the entry draft and a bit of a preview maybe for the free agency what the sense should should look for uh, yeah exactly we'll be able to so,
1: analyze what our picks were like and what we would have done differently and if we agree with them and josh yeah, has a so, decent amount of experience in the uh, in the scouting yes, field so that'll help, he'll us be able a lot to help.
0: help he will definitely be a uh a worthwhile contributor there so until next time thank you so much for tuning in uh, this was a blast. It's always fun to get the first episode underway, way, and uh, we will have much more to come. So thank you so much, and we will see you guys next time.
1: Bye, guys.